when i look back in my life i wanted to be very proud that i did the asan that has empowered thousands of people to actually like found a hope that there is someone out there whom they can turn into when they have an idea and they can publish their work and they can actually make a living out of it because you know when you really want to do something like i see this every day here in pakistan there are so many people the talented people they want to do something in their lives they want to earn a living through right channels but unfortunately those channels are not here the opportunities are not here and the industry is not that much mature that they could absorb that workforce and it's really hard to see really talented people working and doing menial jobs just to pay their home bills so i had this thing that when i am looking back at my life i need to be sure that the thing that i founded has actually changed lives of such people Hello everyone, my name is Dean Long and welcome to the podcast Lifeline. In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or any platform that you are using and also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. In today's episode you will be meeting Omer, a storyteller, community builder and visionary from Pakistan who co-founded Dastan with a mission to put a book in every hands. Dastan is an online publishing platform for aspiring writers in Pakistan and they already supported thousands of authors to get published. But to arrive there it took many many years and Omer had to restart from scratch a few times. overcome an endless list of struggles but he made it work in the end this episode is really a masterclass on entrepreneurship and we go through all the challenges and joy of his entrepreneurial journey and we highlight important tips for all aspiring entrepreneurs that Omer learned the very hard way he pays a tribute to all the people who made difference in his life He shares funny anecdotes and stories as they come to his mind and he invites us all to visit this one of a kind country that is Pakistan. All right. So, yeah, hello Omer. Nice to have you. Uh <laughs> so can you just quickly say what time it is now in Pakistan? It is uh almost 1 a.m. at night. <laughs> My first I mean so it's 10 p.m. in France uh, so that's my I think the latest interview I've ever done and for everyone in five I didn't force Omer to do an interview at 1 a.m. Uh, just yeah so I I tried to yeah but he's a busy guy very busy businessman so that was the only <laughs> slot <laughs> available um so yeah no thank you Omer I'm, I'm really happy to have you on Lifeline today and uh, for the story you are the first guest from Pakistan in this podcast and you are also i think the first person from Pakistan i ever talked to in my life uh, <laughs> i remember when we met in hanoi in 2019 19 yeah, yeah. april first... 2019 yes you were the first 
Pakistani guy I met, so I was so excited. I mean, I met you and the other, dele- I mean, the other delegates from Pakistan, but you're mainly the first one I, I had a real conversation with. Um, so yeah, and since then we've met a couple of times in, in different countries. I mean, in, we've met in China, <laughs> in yeah. Thailand, in Vietnam, and guess hope to meet you in Pakistan one day. And yeah, I really love your story. I really love and know how you are this Pakistani ambassador. You gave me a scarf from Pakistan, so I really like this aspect of you know, <laughs> try to, you know, show to people what is Pakistan. And uh, yeah, no, today I wanted to share your story, your wisdom to as many people as possible. So yeah, I'll do, uh, so I stopped speaking. I spoke a lot, but I, I'll just ask you the first question, which is yeah, if you can introduce yourself, where you come from, and what you are currently doing. Sure, sure. Thank you so much, Long, for this particular opportunity. Uh, I still remember I was really excited to meet you in Vietnam because we had been in touch, I think, previously online, just speaking and uh, texting and emailing, but like actually seeing you for the first ever time and like uh, sharing our opinions, that was like a really good conversation and I still remember all of it. Uh, a little bit about me for those who do not know. Uh, my name is Sayyid Umar Amin. Uh, I'm founder of the platform called Tastan. It's basically a book publishing platform um, which empowers authors to monetize their time, content, and skills using technology. Um, the main vision that we are chasing is like we want to put a book in every hand. And uh, I know it's quite audacious, but like that's the kind of dream and that's the thing that really drives us forward every day. And uh, what makes us really special is that it's not just another publishing platform. It's more like a community and a family, uh, or maybe you can just think of it like it's more of a cause to which everyone is really excited about. Uh, I still remember it clearly. I started this platform uh, back around six years back. It was December 2014, and I kick-started it from one of the Pakistan's biggest technology incubation center called Plan 9. That's where the journey started. And then over time, I joined many accelerators and incubators like Telenor Velocity, Accountability Lab Pakistan, National Incubation Center. All these institutes actually helped me learn new skills and uh, find out ways how I can improve and impact a lot of lives. Like... Um, most of the people say that, why are you even doing this? Like generally in business, you always go for a business that is a very big and huge addressable market. But when we like look at the kind of work that I am doing, it's not directly relevant to education, but you can say it's more impact. uh, It's impacting more to the creative community and the literary community. So that's like a niche of education. That's the literature. And uh, it's all about book publishing. So generally, in this particular world, people are like, oh, who reads book? Everyone reads online. Uh, there's no much scope. So what we are doing here is, like, really powerful. Like, it's really hard to explain, but, like, I'll still give it a shot, and I hope that you will, you kind of understand the way, the, the why behind why I am doing this. So I have seen, like, I personally believe that all the society, the way they act, the way they think, the way they behave, the core foundation or the reason of any one behavior is linked 
to the content that they consume every day and that's like a very uh, scary thing like people are more people's brain are like you can say white blank whiteboards so you can paint anything on that so if you are constantly feeding them wrong content or wrong narratives it will ultimately in uh, reflect in their society in their characters so i thought that if i want to change the world if i want to create a social impact if i want to be relevant person a someone who is like known in history for doing something worthwhile in while he was here while he was alive so i need to change this thing that i need to create good content and when you look around in especially in pakistan the things uh, the situation of writers especially the content creators when i started this thing it was like worse worse than ever you can imagine uh, there was no publisher in pakistan who would actually publish a new author's work the and the whole industry is offline everything is broken you you really never don't know anything at all that where to go where to start whom to talk to what are the government organizations what are the rules what are the regulations nothing at all everything was like so messed up and it was really hard so what we did differently was that i thought why not build a platform that takes this entire offline industry online more like a writing marketplace but like empowering the authors here in pakistan and also abroad like it would act as a bridge or a gateway that would connect global authors to use this platform to make their work available in pakistan and the pakistani market similarly the authors in pakistan could make their work available in other countries so that was the whole concept like if you look around in the history the subcontinent region especially where pakistan is right now it was known it was renowned for being the seat of knowledge uh, it was once a land of thinkers and philosophers but unfortunately due to the recent events and the terrorist activities and all the uh, political instabilities in the region unfortunately my country has been like negatively portrayed as the land of terrorist in the international media and this is something that really hurts me because there are so many people like me doing such amazing and wonderful work here in pakistan but there's no one out there to tell their stories to the world and i'm really thankful to ding dong for providing me this particular platform to tell our story our part of story to the world and i hope that whosoever is listening right now they can truly relate to the struggles that we face while here while living in pakistan because you know it's really heartbreaking that despite of all the things that you do someone who is not from your country is passing out certain remarks about your country which are not even true so uh, that was the thing that really uh, pinched me to actually take action my whole family is from the literary background like i my, i remember that my mother used to tell me that our great grandfather mohammad basir he was the one who invented urdu calligraphy script here in subcontinent somewhere in 1900s and since then everyone in my family is like one way or another related to education background like as uh, teachers professors writers authors and all those things so i think that's like where my story started uh, i still remember it very clearly that my mother used to take me especially my parents they would every friday they would take me to this library we come from a very humble family background 
yeah no lavish cars and nothing at all really simple people so i still remember i still uh, i got access to computer when i was in 8th grade and i accessed internet when i was like after completing my 12th grade so since then like when you don't have computer or internet so i brought, i was brought up in that era and all i had for myself was just this books and that was all so i think uh, that was one of the reason i chose to come in this in come in this field and another reason was probably i would say a contribution to my schools and my teachers and especially my parents who actually like uh, encouraged me to write creatively speak and create original content they were like the main force that was helping me uh, or driving me to actually do something uh, and uh, another thing that i would like to add was like one of the major uh, what you may say a factor where my life was turned in a very different direction was when i read uh, the works of uh, our national poet mohammad alama mohammad iqbal his poetry is like something really really powerful and i was fortunate enough that i discovered it when i was in my like early teens yeah somewhere around like 14 15 or 16 years of age so that was the kind of age when i discovered that poetry and it was so inspirational it pushed me to take action like one of the uh, symbol symbolic uh, characters that iqbal used in his poetry was that he used to address the youth of the country as shaheen so shaheen is like a very uh, uh, a bird which is always looking ahead going ahead going forward and it has very high ambitions so uh, that was the thing that kind of inspired me and i think that that these are some of the factors that turned me into who i am today so yeah thank you so much for this super inspiring <laughs> introduction um, okay so i i want to ask you like 100 questions now uh, so sure, sure. that's sure what is so many things um but okay yeah so i think yeah that's very interesting uh, actually one question i wanted to ask you and you you addressed it a bit um because you said you So I read on your LinkedIn resume that there is a sentence which is I was raised in a time where I had no proper access to internet till 10th grade the only thing I could do was either books or sports so I, I just wonder what happened to the sports part <laughs> yeah so sports part I was like uh, a really crazy fanatic about sports so I started like one thing about me is that i am like kind of an addict kind of person so once i am doing something then i am like all in like there is no turning back unless or until you reach that extreme so i am that kind of fanatic so i still remember i started sports my first sport that i was really really into was cricket i played it like hell uh, till my 10th grade and uh, unfortunately like i was the kind of die hard fan who would actually watch every single live match of the pakistani uh, team no matter if either they're playing test cricket either they're playing one day t20s whatever format of cricket was there i used to memorize the name of players captains matches events scored uh, bowlers and everything like one die hard fan but then uh, there was this one world cup uh, i was like really praying that my country would actually win but they the team actually threw the match and later it was revealed that they were doing like uh, what is called some match fixing or stuff some 
players were involved. That was the point when I actually lost faith in the cricket. So uh, then a little bit ahead when I was in my college, uh, then I was the pioneer from my school who actually went to that college because I, I was a graduate of a private school and it was relatively a newer one. Like I was one of the pioneer batch of that school. So I had no seniors or no support or anything at all when I went to a different institute. Usually it happens that let's say you are an alumnus of XYZ Institute and then that institute has been there for like past 30, 40 years. So obviously when you will move to a university or some other higher campus, so there's a very high chance that you will meet graduates who are already studying there and who were a part of alumnus of your institute. But in my case, it was totally opposite. I was the one who was actually uh, discovering new new uh, environments and new things. And it was really hard for me to like adjust in there. So when I went into college, I had like literally no friends, but uh, I made a couple of them, like I think three, four friends. So some of them, then as you know, that the, it was an all boys college. And uh, uh, interestingly, it was the government college. And one funny memory that I have uh, and, that was the most coolest thing or I don't know, it's the dumbest thing that I ever did was that it was the third day of my college and I was like, uh, just uh, what you may say, just uh, speaking or joking around with my friends. And then there's this one professor that came in and he was like one grumpy professor. And he, like, you know, the kind of professors that try to intimidate you uh, by speaking in a loud tone and a harsh tone. So usually the boys usually behave. So I was like raised in a private school where teachers would address you such with such politeness uh, and then actually encountering someone so grumpy who is like all bossy and all that. And even though you are not at fault and he's constantly screaming and yelling at you, I was like really, really annoyed. And then I went into argument with him and then he <laughs> expelled me out of the class. And then he made me stand out of class for like, I think for the whole week. Uh, that was like a really, really interesting moment for me. But that was when I got really popular in my class. That this is that guy <laughs> who messes around with the teacher. So then I got in radar of this uh, gang who actually used to play football. So I had no prior experience. And I was, I usually suck at football. But then in college, since that was the only game those guys played, so I started playing football. And uh, I played football like hell. Like, an interesting thing was that they gave me a nickname so they named me Samri Samri means like a magician or like an evil magician to be very precise (laughs) so they used to call me that and I was really really popular among the college because uh, you know the the kind of uh, the wanted list in the college where every teacher and every professor is like these are these 10-20 boys you need to be very aware of these are like so much problematic boys like, it was really interesting, like, kind of fun. We didn't disturb the class uh, discipline, but, you know, the kind of uh, naughty boys uh, just messing around, <laughs> kind of annoying teachers a little bit off and on, but not in a, like, uh, disrespectful way, but just in a fun humor way. So, uh, I, so the, and then I started playing football. I played it for, like, two years, uh, and then university happened, uh, but... When I left the college, I was like known as a very aggressive player that who, uh, if I am in their team, then the opposition had a very hard time scoring goals <laughs> because I would run so much. Uh, you wouldn't believe like 
they everyone knew that this guy stamina never runs out so i i used to be that kind of player uh but then i improved a lot i made some really good friends uh some of us still meet now off and on uh but then when i came in university uh again i would come from a college where we had no kind of uh, graduates or alumnus in institute so i went to a college in a university in a different city it was taxila uh, my education institute was U- university of engineering and technology taxila and there um, it was all new for me because that was the kind of institute where people from all over pakistan would come to study and it was really hard for me to like kind of bond with them and find out who is playing what who is interested in what so then i kind of like uh, switched off from gaming and i focused more on the soft skills and the presentation kind of side so i joined all the literary societies declamation arts dramatics uh, these kind of societies because uh, that was really fascinating thing for me and i joined that i also played a little bit e games in the university i went to the semi semi finals of one particular tournament as well uh, i also won one in the university as well but that was like the kind of uh, gaming i had after that then everything died out all the friends went away and you know after university i started this startup so then the life got busy and then i no longer play sports now i just watch them off and on but very limited nowadays uh, all everything uh, that i have on my mind is work work just work <laughs> so that's the sport thing <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah so i have, this brings me to another question which is so did you because you told me you grew up in this very you know education creative uh family uh familial culture and did, did you still because i know the that you you launched that then you were speaking about all the issues that writers face but you launched it because you actually it, it was to solve your own problem because you 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 actually wrote a novel and you wanted to get published but it was impossible but i wonder it, it was it during this <laughs> football period or was it during when, when you started to do like all these literacy events at university yeah so uh, that thing came in because uh, in the in the university it was like a four year program So in the first year of the university I joined every society that I could where I could like get an audition and make sure that I'm good enough and that I got enlisted in that. But after an year um I was kind of bored I, it wasn't like my kind of thing so I wanted something more. So I joined the youth volunteering platforms uh NGOs and all these kind of things. That was a little bit outside university. So like I I raised the performance bar a little bit for higher for me. So when I joined those things that was where I got this uh idea or you can say training like I had my mentor who uh who went to cultural exchange program he was my senior in my university he taught me a lot about like how social entrepreneurship work how you build an idea how you pitch it how you make documents how to write like basically I was the operations manager of his uh NGO so I kind of went through all hands on approach on everything related to this startup thing but i never had like a very formal training i it was this one program called nas discover business plan competition where i went in for a 3 day uh, i think it was a 3 day or a 2 day uh, program so the first 2 days or 3 days they actually 
walked us through whole day session where they taught us how to make presentations to pitch what is pitching how this whole thing works the entire framework team building and everything like a crash course of startups it was the eye opener for me uh that was you can say the aha moment when i thought that this is really possible and it can be done because before that i used to think that this is something impossible and only some people can do it no one else can do it because there was no major, major thing was that there was no information available out there so this dastan part came in when i was in university's third year i was about to close my third year and go into the final year that's when i started writing my novel when i uh, met a friend who was writing his own book uh, which he never got published but i <laughs> got mine published so uh, still when we meet uh, i uh, i used to joke about him joke to him that hey man you still didn't publish your book <laughs> and i have actually founded a whole publishing company and we have published so many things i think this is now the time that you should give your book to me and <laughs> probably i can publish it for you so that was that kind of period and uh, in the university's final year uh, it was like uh, i think so four five months when i was already done with my novel and i was pitching to various uh, organizations and publishing platforms to see if they can like kind of pick this work up and publish it but like i couldn't find uh, a favorable response but I, and i was also doing an internship by then uh, it was a, like a content or operations manager kind of thingy uh we were launching a new brand called total football uh it was really cool the the, the platform is still here i'm like really proud to be one of the founding team members of that platform so i was doing an internship there so i had some money saved from there then this plan 9 uh, the incubation thing came up we got selected uh, it was a knockout round out of 1500 applicants we were one of the top 15 teams that were chosen to go to this program of plan 9 that's where the journey of dastan started so uh, that was the whole uh, period where i actually like made this thing happen super interesting so because back then you were in an internship you were studying engineering you were writing a novel and yeah like what how so when 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 did you decide to apply to this incubator did you apply by yourself were you afraid of what if i don't know what if i don't manage to 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 and to succeed <laughs> yeah that th- th- this is like a really interesting story so um, what happened was that uh, i was uh, you can say just normally casually streaming uh, this f- facebook and there i came across this one video it was a video on entrepreneurship by a scientist called dr umar saif so he was the chairman of pakistan information technology board back then so he uh, this interview was done by a magazine probably some ceo kind of magazine where these people give interview to so i i listened to that talk that talk inspired me so then what i did was that i went into youtube and i found all the videos that this guy has done so i found out that this guy has done a ted talk as well and then uh, he recently launched this incubation center called plan 9 because he was the head of there so he launched this thing and then i came across another video that uh, was by the program manager uh, mr nabil qureshi so i went into that his ted talk as well and that was when i it, it came into me that you know uh, i need to go there these guys 
have done something really really legendary for our community and i think this might be my chance to actually validate and see if i can get through because i remember the plan 9 started when i was in i think so third year and a friend of mine came to me that guy hey man i think we need to apply to this thing this is something new. and i was like, and i was like nah not right now i'm not in a mood this is something new probably just would be a fashion or something it will just fade off you know these kind of government gimmicks they just do it for some press kind of thingy and then this whole thing dies out this this ain't gonna work so it so i joined plan 9 in the fourth cohort Uh, I think so it was third or fourth cohort. So that was like after a year has already passed. So then when I was applying, that was the point I realized, no, these guys have actually stayed and they are doing some really cool work because uh, when I did some research, I found out a lot, lot of success stories out of there. One of the startups raised like $100,000 on Kickstarter campaign and I was like, wow, man, that, that could be a really, really huge thing that for me if I am able to do that. So I went into that program uh, even though when I was like qualified for this program and I was selected and everything was done my family was like we are not sending you to that program because I come from a very small town in a very remote area it's work and it's not even like an urban area so my parents would never let me go out of home <laughs> for even more than an hour or two and I was talking about going to a different city living there all by myself all alone for a period of six months so that was a big no from their side they were like we are not going to fund this tech this is not going to happen and you know that we can't do this so i as i mentioned earlier that i was doing an internship so i was like fine you don't need to fund me i have my own expenses and savings and I'll, i'll fund myself so i actually fought with my family to went there for this particular thing and i remember that uh, it was the third day of the incubation program and uh, there is this you know the kind of a need assessment kind of meeting where the whole board would meet the each startup in the team and then they would like kind of assess that what you are doing and then they would like recommend what needs to be done because i was i took this decision at a point where i not only had to move out of city but i also had to uh, it was my last semester and one of my paper uh, was uh, what you may say uh, i wasn't allowed to give my final paper because i had a little bit short attendance and they were like no you weren't qualifying the 70% or whatever uh, something like 70 80% attendance criteria so we are not going to allow you to sit in the program so in the final paper of the final semester so that was like really really big shock for me so i had two options one was that either i stay back at my home and apply for this uh, you know the summer semester where you kind of complete your missing subjects or the subjects that you couldn't clear as an extra kind of some subject semester and it ran for 3 months so they were the university told me that you can take a, another 3 months and then clear this whole thing all over again we're not going to let you sit in this exam uh, or i had another option that i leave my entire four year degree at one side go to this plan 9 thingy fight with my parents <laughs> and then see if this going if this thing is going to work or not and it was such a hard decision for me because the minimum requirement for them was that you need to have at least two members to come uh, the program manager made it very clear to me that if you come alone to our incubation center we are going to send you home and disqualify you that very moment so i all the team members of my team were mostly remote like afsa was in islamabad uh, another of my um, 
team member who was working with me she was from multan another one was in rawalpindi and i wish to all of them that hey guys we have won a 6000 dollar grant let's just do this this is our chance this is our aha moment that we were all working and striving for and none of them came in so you know, everyone had their own personal reasons and obviously you no know, not all the persons can uh, go against their family uh, even though i went against mine and i still am but like they were like no we are not going to do this so i had to hire an entire new team there and it was such a painful thing for me because you know you when you go in an incubation you need to have someone by your side who has been through you for past year or so and then you both work together on that thing but i was the only one single person working day and night like working like hell it it really drove me crazy and it was really stressful six months for me and i still remember on the third day when it was like uh, they were doing this need assessments and i was sitting alone in that chair where five of my team members should have been there with me i was sitting all alone and the way the the whole board uh, of plan nine grilled me i literally was crying there because i knew that if these guys send me back home then i have no future at all and i have to get this thing done so it's it's more like you know burning all chips and then you know that you either you're going to do this or either you're going to die here there is no going back so i was at that kind of thing that was i think that was the most harder decision of my life uh, but i guess it turned out well uh, so yeah that, that was like my little story <laughs> <laughs> and c- coming back just a bit before how did you find your team members like the five people you mentioned to work with you so we uh, did some posts on facebook and various writing circles and groups of readers and writers and we mentioned that we are hiring for these posts so if you are around so do join in so one of the person came in through recommendations one of them uh, one of our marketing manager i knew him from facebook uh, we used to uh, engage a lot on social media so uh, he was from gujranwala and i asked him if he, if if he would like to come in and join me so he spoke to his team uh, so he spoke to his family and all that so he joined a week later so for first 7 to 10 days i was sitting all alone there <laughs> while all the other teams around me were working day and night and it was so hard for me like you know every month i used to think that i my team is the most more the most bottom most team and we would be eliminated now or now or next month so that was the kind of you know the fear that you are living with because for your team members they might have other options but for me as a founder i had no other options i had already burnt all the ships i had i had no other cards left or no other alternatives there was no way i could go back there so it was really hard for me and you know i had those sleepless nights where i would just stay up all night working till 8 am or 3 am or 4 am and then i would sleep and then i would just wake up again at like 9 or 10 am and then start working whole day all over again i still remember my like all these people they would used to go out on like lunch breaks and then tea breaks and all that and i would like i was like so much absorbed in my work that i was if i'm sitting here on my chair at like around 8 am or 9 am and then it would go whole night and i wouldn't stand or go and take breaks because i was so much stressed and our problems grew like almost three to four folds because during this incubation side i was facing a lot of challenges in terms of tech side because 
I personally know how to like do WordPress and all these things, but the platform that the incubation center wanted a custom built, uh, custom coded website which you actually called a proper product. They weren't accepting a WordPress enabled solution or something around that around those lines. So it was so hard for me to find a WordPress develop, uh, find a proper developer because I myself am not a developer. So it was really hard for me to find people, but uh, but fortunately we had friends. There was there was a good community uh, environment in Plan Nine. So those guys, uh, techie, there's this one guy called Puzzle. Uh, then we have Bilal. Uh, he these guys like were such a great help to me. They really helped me a lot and like uh, finding new people, recommending me, taking interviews, and then telling me and guiding me that this resource is going good or not. Because these were the guys who I used to go to. To find some technical supervision and see that if my resources are working right or not. But uh, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the kind of resources we got, they were like really basic. They were still learning. Like you know, the kind of people who would go on internship and then learn how to code and all those things. So I, I unfortunately got that lot. Mm. And they took like ages to develop a single page, and it was like such a frustrating thing, you know. The brand launch, the the time when we announced that we are launching this platform, our website link was down. I was on the stage typing my website URL, and the website was down. <laughs> it was like such an embarrassing moment for me. And uh, you know, I had like almost three seconds to react. And what I did was that fortunately I had screenshots saved of the web portal. So what I did was that I opened that folder which had all the screenshots, and I and then I played this uh, played that on. Uh, 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 what do you call it? The slideshow, and people thought that this was actually the website. So that's the kind of <laughs> reaction you need to solve a crisis like that. So it was really, really frustrating for me. But uh, I learned a lot uh, out of that experience. Uh, so one of my biggest key learning was that I was not prepared for an incubation when I went into an incubation, and I and I should only and for all the people out there, you should always go to an incubation when you know for sure. That you have a very strong team and a strong idea and a working prototype. If you don't have any of these things, please don't go there and don't waste <laughs> your six months of your life. It would be such a frustrating thing for you. You will regret it. <laughs> but it was like altogether a very fun experience because for me, uh, when I went into that new city, I used to say it to everyone that I feel that I belong to a village. Literally, this is a city, and that has opened my eyes and opened my vision. So that was the thing that I uh, that I always say, and I always say it proudly that uh, that city and that experience and that environment really taught me about life and the possible opportunities. Because you know, Dinlong, when you are in your own city or in your own comfort zone, you feel that this is your whole world. But when you go out of your comfort zone into a place where you are in complete strangers, and then you adopt to that particular environment. That is the point when you learn, or when you have those aha moments in you, where you feel like, "Oh my God, I had been missing so much. There is so much out there to be done, and there is so much world of possibilities out there." So that was the kind of thing that I personally experienced, and this is what I say to everyone: that if you have a chance, go and travel, go out of your comfort zone, because that's where the magic happens. So you survived the six months. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so you actually managed to to launch your product during the incubation program, and yeah. Then could you share a bit like how did things evolved after? 
Yeah. So after when I completed that six months program, so I was at a point where most of my team member that I have hired had already quit me. They had some more jobs and then or kind of <laughs> they had the yeah. So they had their own opportunities or something around that. They all left. So I was back at square zero where I where I started. So when I went back home, I was exactly at the same point where I was six months before. I had no team. uh my team was like totally lost they didn't believe that i was like doing good enough so they left and i really sucked at it because that was my first ever experience of managing five people and it was really hard for me because nobody taught me before that how to how do you do that so i actually learned by failing it failing at it and sucking at it at big time so uh, then after that what happened was that um i came back i completed my degree that was like a very pending thing and my family wanted me to get over it so i finally completed my graduation <laughs> it was again itself a very interesting story but maybe some other time so uh, when i was like i had already done that uh, engineering thingy and i given the degree to my mother so she could showcase it the way she want i never used it uh, that degree anyway so um, i another interesting thing that i did was that i restarted everything all over again from zero but with a new perspective so i stopped relying or hiring or being dependent on things that were out of my control so i knew that i'm really good at wordpress and i can manage things so i used wordpress and facebook to do all the things that i wanted to do so i created a facebook group i remember there were total of three people there uh me hafsa and the another friend that she added her name was nayab i guess i'm not sure if i'm right or wrong so uh we started a freelance marketing marketplace model so we did a pilot using facebook groups and a writers dashboard that had all their uh, writer earnings projects and all their basic details payout requests and all those buttons so i i was able to code that on wordpress myself so i did it so we ran this hybrid model and within from a team of 3 people we went up to a team of 70 people and we were generating around like 50 to 60000 words of content a day and that was huge uh that was the point when i thought that maybe this could scale so i took a step back i tried automated things by making team heads but unfortunately the moment i did that it was the biggest mistake of my life everything fell apart we had lot of plagiarized content that went through the team leads directly to the clients and then they lost we lost the clients and unfortunately i had to shut down that whole wing uh, within next two months so that was the worst ever decision of my life that i ever did uh, even though i compensated it but i should have had enough my years for quality control to make that thing scalable but i re- later i realized that that model was not scalable enough but what happened was that uh, we saved like around 40000 pakistani rupees out of that whole experiment that we did and uh, at that particular point this competition called the startup cup came into pakistan so i remember i got selected there and it was day one of the workshop uh, and the uh, seen rifin i think that was the name of the guy who was the founder of this uh, competition so he flew to pakistan and i was like speaking to him and he was like addressing us and he said that if your prototype is not ready by within two days or three days while i am here you guys are eliminated for sure so that was the point when i said no i don't want to be eliminated i want to get this thing done so i invested all the savings that i had that was like sheer 6 months worth of effort that i should have taken back home 
but i invested all of it back to the and gave it to a developer to build me a professional mvp and uh, he was a friend that my cousin recommended to me uh, his name is mamun his companies were masters he th- these are like really good guys so they helped me a lot in tech side our product still is made by them they manage it they do everything that we want in terms of tech they manage very well so um, these guys they literally built me the entire prototype in just two days and in the third day when i was pitching in the competition i was able to make it through because i had the working mvp done and it was really really beautiful and that was the point when i focused more on the publishing side and i shut down uh, the freelance model and all that crazy thing thing that thing that we were doing which wasn't going anywhere so we shut it down so that was the point when i decided that i need to focus because i am getting myself distracted in so many things in so many ways just by some just because someone is saying that i need to do it so i start doing it without even thinking about or the big vision or why the big why that why i was doing this at the first place so i still remember when i was and uh, when i got selected for the plan 9 uh, one of the mentor told me that hey guy i actually voted for you because i see passion in you and i believe that i don't know what you will do but ultimately whatever you are going to do would be in the publishing industry so just focus on that and i didn't listen to him and i pivoted my model when i went into plan 9 and that's where the whole mess started so i should have listened to him so i remember his thing and then i what i did was that i started focusing on publishing and uh, that was where the platform started evolving so initially what we did was that we did that uh, a stories untold call. that was a really really interesting model where we asked people to crowd uh, where we crowdsource stories from the community and then we published the best works on the website that we recently built so the mvp that we built we populated it with all the stories that were generated to the competition and that's how the basic first 50 stories were made live on the platform and once we did that we did some little bit of marketing campaign and it all went really well then people started approaching us uh, we would get messages from people and one of the very first author that we had was uh, miss tuba her novel was called unveiling the unknown it was really really massive novel it had like i think so almost 400 pages so i got that published uh, through our platform uh, and all the cost for that plat- no- for the publishing was raised through pre orders that was a huge success for us because we just launched the website and then there comes this one author and then we made her book live on the web portal and all of a sudden there are like 50 60 orders of that book and people are willing to pay in advance so we collected all those payments we kept track of it and then we invested all that money back into printing and publishing and all those things so that was this one interesting model that we did and by this time we were in plan a telenor velocity program and fortunately they gave us this uh, platform where we could like organize a book launch in uh, national incubation center karachi and that was the turning moment for us because our first ever book launch was done at such a prestigious place and we got like proper photography and videography and all those things done that was the game changing moment for us and uh, then there was no turning back then uh, we, i remember there was there was this one guy uh, his name is harun he's creator of burf avengers he he was one of the mentor in telenor velocity connected us with him and uh, he gave us an industry project 
uh, it was a 16 episode animated film that whose script needs to be written and uh, i was like uh, given this opportunity to actually write that script so i did this whole research and then we went through all a uh, lot of different variations version and all those things and finally when the animated film got launched it was launched massively like uh, we have this biggest uh, pakistan uh, television national channel you can say for ptv it was launched on that platform and it ran for like i think so 3 or 4 months straight every evening the whole the animated film would be on and uh, i still remember a lot of people and lot of authors that uh, came to our platform they said that we saw that animated film that was running on the tv did you guys write the script and we were like yeah so what's the big deal so they were like no we gone to get published through us can you make our work go live on tv so we were like obviously we can speak to some of the people so that was where the buzz actually started making like you know uh, the hype and everyone who's like doubting you at first now they are all like no these guys are like really really serious they are doing some serious really good work so all the people who were like doubting you and then they start believing in you and that was like interesting moment for us so uh, and i didn't stopped after that there were like lot of uh, uh, you can say low highs and lows within that journey as well but then we joined this plan uh, the national incubation center that was like again one another extreme kind of an experience for me i met a lot of amazing people there um, i still remember when i was in nic um, i was kind of doing a day job as well because you know uh, at that particular time my idea was too nascent and we still didn't had like a proper business model kind of thingy like we wouldn't know how would the revenues come in like there's this one book the whole revenue that comes in that goes out as cost so where as the profit how are we going to sustain ourselves so much of the team that i lost over the period of the 6 years i lost my team like almost three times and these were like really gem of a people i would say that i lost because of my foolishness and the core reason was that i wasn't able to find a business model fast enough so you know there is this one the the there is this one person who is really passionate about your idea and they want to work with you they work with you they give you like one or two or three months of their entire lives and if you are not able to help them pay their bills then unfortunately they have to move on and that's exactly what happened with me i had such amazing people and such amazing team but i lost them all and i still miss them because you know the, you have that kind of affiliation with them but yeah that that's life uh, it teaches you a lot but in nic uh, what happened was that like uh, again we met uh, really good people uh, i made really good connections there there were a lot of mentorship but that was this thing where when this sdg bootcamp happened it was in nic i was like about to graduate this was the final event and you know this uh, bootcamp the, the interesting thing about this bootcamp was that uh, just before this bootcamp i had participated in almost like 15 to 20 such events uh like competitions grants and all those things and i had been constantly being rejected over and over and over and over again i remember that i had like such lame reasons and such interesting comments from the judges and all the community because you know some of the competitions they have been organized by the student bodies and then there's this certain politics and then they would just uh make when someone else a winner and, and you know it kind of 
hurts you and then there are certain judges they have a certain bias towards you or then they have this thing that oh no nobody reads book then we don't even need to listen to this idea at the first place so um i had been losing for almost like 15 20 times throughout like 2 3 years uh and then this you uh, then this sdg boot came uh, camp came in and then i went again with the same passion then no i need to win this time and uh, luckily uh i uh, my hard work you may say or like uh, i don't know the persistence or anything i don't know what, what to call it so it worked so finally when i remember then uh, that uh, when the results were being announced uh, and then when they called me the winner that was like such a happy moment of my life because that was the break you know uh, then long um, i don't know if i mentioned this before or not like one of the reasons i actually joined the youth uh, like when i was in my university and i had the senior who just came back from this uh, cultural exchange program that was the point when i had this dream that you know i need to be the one representing pakistan when i go out of a country uh, like that was the kind of dream and I, the more main reason i quit the university societies and moved to the ngo sector because i saw that i have an opportunity that maybe using this i would be able to go there and i had that opportunity not once but twice uh, and i think almost three times and all three times i was rejected either a visa either or either i didn't had enough finances or one reason or another but when this I won this competition that was when I knew for sure that finally after striving for four straight years finally I have that moment with me that I would be able to go outside Pakistan and represent Pakistan not just as a random person but as an ambassador who is like representing the uh, as a champion so like I was really really grateful to the youth collab and the UNDP and National Incubation Center Islamabad Demo Enterprise and all these uh, partners who made this event happen like that was like you know kind of a dream come true moment for you so like you know that Cinderella found the final prince <laughs> so that kind of happiness that you know there there's this one thing you have been working for so long and so long and finally you just get it i i don't know how to like put that happiness in words it was like beyond something and like when i went I finally went out to this vietnam uh, and then we met you um, you could see that i was like so damn excited about it so yeah that that was about it and since then there was like no turning back like after vietnam when i came back i got this usip grant uh, it was like 30000 that was huge thing for us because previously we had only won like $1000 or 1500 or maybe $2500 so that was like a very micro grant but this was this one big grant and it was such daunting thing for me because they gave us only 100 days and for the first i think so 25 or 30 days we had zero money they said that we need to use our own funds to like do all the activities and it was really taxing for us because you know when you are organizing events you need to pay up front and it's really hard to manage so much cash you don't have enough running cash at that time but then again we managed and it was like a really great experience and out of that I, then i uh, had this opportunity to go to thailand and then we we met in bangkok and uh, the un headquarters uh, and then we shared a lot of experiences and uh, after that uh, i again i was given this opportunity by the youth collab to represent my platform uh, in uh, the the two conferences that held in, that were that were held in china 
uh, one was in Guangzhou and the other was was in Shenzhen. Uh, and then um, one more, one of the more most important thing or <clears throat> most beautiful thing that happened in Youth Collab was like uh, meeting uh, all you guys and especially Zahin who has always been there. And uh, whenever I I run into any trouble, she's the first person I I drop a message and or an email or a call. And she has been like really helpful for me because I remember um, I'm really passionate about what I do, but the only um, uh, setback or the only reason I was not able to scale or excel was because I couldn't find that direction. And I remember that when I had these ses- mentoring sessions with Zahin, uh, she stopped me when I was like speaking in a flow like I'm doing right now. She was like, oh, hang on, just just stop you need to slow down and you need to think and you need to focus so then she asked me a couple of questions and that's when i realized that i am doing a lot of operational stuff and i don't have objectives and that was the thing that uh, she forced me to do she said that go and study this framework called the okr model that's objective key resolutions and all those things so key results sorry uh, so that i started starting it and then I found certain platforms and then she told me that whatever I have in my mind I need to put all of that thing in this framework because if I'm not doing it I'm just running around and, and nothing would come out of it and when I started implementing that the very first moment the very first month sorry I got a lot of good results and that was when my team started taking me really seriously because now we knew that what we wanted to do like previously we would just wait for some project to come and then we would work like crazy and once the project is gone then we are like okay now what do we do now so she made me think that think that what will you do in this whole year break it down in quarters break it down in months break it down to each individual department and then break it down to individual each individual on a day by day wise basis so i learned that whole framework from him from her and then i taught this whole framework to my team and i may improve their skill set to a point where they were able to train the people which we hired later in our team which who are working under them like i i told you that once um this uh, whole um, 2019 was closed I was again back to zero where I started because I uh, had to hire a new team because again, the grant ran out and again, when the money runs out, so it's really hard to sustain people. And then again, I was foolish enough. I didn't build a proper business model. So in 2020, uh, earlier this year, I made this very bold decision of introducing memberships on our platform. And I put up a price tag on all the services that we are offering, like editing, designing, and then we start we actually i actually started thinking of it as a proper business previously i was just running around it like an ngo and that was i think because i worked in that sector so i that was the only thing i knew and it was really hard for me to actually unlearn what i had already learned and then do it all over again but again thanks to zahin who actually taught me that framework and that was the turning point for us and since 2020, January 2022 date, we have been like scaling really, really well. Like most of the companies who were really badly hit in COVID, we were grew- we were growing in COVID almost 2x every month. And we are still doing pretty well. Now, we uh, one of our books, uh, 
went viral we sold like almost 300 copies of that title in under 2 months and uh, that was the point that uh, you know that uh, big aha moment uh, the big scaling thing just a steep steep flat a uh, steep thing just before the scaling happened so that was the main breaking barrier for us once that book gone viral a lot of people who are pakistanis who are settled abroad like in us uk canada they started reaching out to us because they could actually feel the hype there they were like what is this book doing why is it coming up on timeline why are people posting so much about it because every day someone would like purchase out of 1500 there are so many sales everyone is posting that i got this book from this publisher dasan it, it's so well and it's, it teaches us this and that and everyone was like what 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 what's happening down there so that's when i we started getting a lot of orders but and now we are at a point where like a uh, lot of people are coming to us so it it had been a really really great adventure for me up till now so yeah that's it <laughs> it's so interesting because you were telling me in 2019 if i understood the timeline correct but that you know you started to have this scripted show on tv you started to have like all the hype around dustan but it still wasn't enough to consolidate your business model because i guess every event that happened was not strategic in the sense that it didn't contribute to your overall objective exactly because a lot of times we think that this is something cool that we should do but then when you open that portal and see that is this your objective for this year or not and that is a litmus test when you say no i'm not doing this because saying no by a founder is really hard because when you're a founder you are so attached to your cause that you just can't say no to it because you believe oh it it would and it would work out in the later run but you have to be because you have limited time so you cannot like just waste it you need to make sure that every every single second counts and it's really worth it so that that was the thing that i learned from zahe that was that was really an interesting thing for me and continuing on this question uh could you share with us i mean you you said that your vision is to is that put a book in every hand yes, exactly <laughs> i was looking for the sentence uh yeah could you elaborate on that is it the is that the objective of dustan to put a book on every hand yeah so uh, so one of the uh, so i came up so every year if you like go uh, and read up old interviews that are published on the web so every year uh, we would have like a different vision so you know at every stage you 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 improve yourself and then something else comes in and then you pivot and redesign and redesign so uh, i had been through a lot of phases and finally um, again through these mentoring sessions and all those things i saw that uh, the vision needs to be big enough like it shouldn't be broad and then i was like reading one of the case studies uh, you know this microsoft uh, whole uh, the microsoft case study i was reading up on it and and in one of the interviews it was mentioned that um, the bill gates had this idea that had this vision for microsoft that he will put a desktop computer in every household and i was fascinated at that time because i was a part of this transformation where there were no computers in any household and then now everyone has a computer in their household i had been through i had seen that thing happening right in front of my eyes so i was like so when i read this case study i was like so fascinated that 
I reached, I changed the vision. I said that if he can do this thing, then probably I need to improve my goal. And that's when I put this goal that I will, uh, the, the, the Dastan vision, the final, that's the final vision that we have finally settled for that it is going to be that every person who is uh, here in this world, they need to have a book in their hand and that book would be published by the Asa. Or at least every household should have one book, at least one book that was published through our platform. And uh, when we changed the, more, the vision to this thing, then everything started making sense. Because now our matrix are number of books published, number of authors registered, and uh, total membership sold or maybe in terms of revenue, some some member, uh, some milestones, uh, some key benchmarks related to revenue. So when you start focusing on these things, which really matter, then everything else becomes secondary. Like, for example, previously we were running around for reviews, we were running around for interviews, uh, we were running around for people to invite us into their events. You know, mm. these are secondary things. If you get it, it's okay. But that is not contributing to the revenue. If you are running a company, you need to make sure that how is the revenue coming in? How will you pay the bills? How will you sustain your team? How will you have enough capital that you can scale or experiment and improve your services or products? So how would that happen? You need to have a research and development fund. You need to build a marketing fund. How will that happen? All of this needs to have strong revenue chains. And if you start focusing on uh, uh, the right matrix, I remember this uh, uh, this one workshop. Uh, there we learned about the vanity matrix. And these metrics are those metrics like the fancy things. Like I got featured on media 50 times. This is a vanity matrix. It doesn't contribute if that feature is not bringing you any revenue. It's a vanity matrix. It is not adding any value to your platform. If you have 30,000 followers on your Facebook or 50,000 followers on your Instagram, and if you are not making a single sale, that's a vanity matrix. It's not contributing to your business. So you need to focus on the metrics that really contribute to that are tied to your revenue chain. So when we started focusing on these metrics, that how many books are we publishing and how many authors do we have, then I started asking the second question to myself. If I have 10,000 authors, how many of them are giving me $1 a month? That is this question for me. That if each of them would have, if they were giving me $1 a month, that would have meant $10,000 a month. That is a very serious revenue, but I'm not making that revenue. I'm still investing my own things. I'm still investing my own savings. And there is something seriously wrong with this business model and I need to improve it. So uh, that was when we, uh, when I brainstormed that I needed to put up a membership fee. And uh, then I redesigned this whole model. And previously, another frustrating thing for me was that uh, there was no way to track team's progress. Nobody ever taught me before how to do that. And that was like really interesting thing for me as well. And, you know, the first time I actually learned how a performance of an employee is managed is when I started working as a freelance uh, uh, freelance uh, content operate, content manager for, a, uh, for an offshore company that was based in the U.S. So one of my friends were working there and he said that we need someone to manage our content. And then I was like, okay, uh, this is my portfolio. You can share it with your boss. And uh, then I had a couple of interviews. He hired me. And the way he managed the remote team from US 
this team was like I think so 20-30 people here in Pakistan and the way he was managing it that was so fascinating for me and there I learned that this is how it should have been done in my company as well and then I learned from him that how he was doing it and then I applied all those key learnings back into my company and then I incorporated those employee management tools and the productivity tools and uh, team collaboration tools that's when I realized the importance because previously you know you are getting this google drive uh, you take it grant take it for granted you are like okay you can easily store data there and then you have this emails and then you have these whatsapp groups and then you also have uh, phone calls but you know as you scale all these things become so messy you really don't know which one is the right version like uh, if a novel is edited by three people you never know that which one is final 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 is actually the final version <laughs> so <laughs> most of the times a wrong of version of final gets printed and then you get an additional loss because you made the mistake author paid you once then all the profit that was going in it is actually going in loss so we made like so much of those blunders some of them were mine some of them were of my teams but ultimately i have to pay for it <laughs> and i couldn't pay, uh, tax my uh, team member for making a small mistake because i am a bad manager they were doing just their job they were doing what they were told so at the end of the day uh, one of the key lessons that i want to uh, give through this uh, podcast to all the aspiring entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs and all those people who are like thinking of becoming an entrepreneurs is that uh, when you are actually the founder everyone looks up to you and if there is a crisis you need to be the one who needs to like put the fire out because if you can't do that if you can't solve the problems then it's really hard for your team to believe in you and if your team makes a mistake you never ever should go to the client and say hey it's none of my fault it's my team's fault and i'll get that person fired or penalize him never ever do that always own your team and take the mistake and own it as you like you need to take stand for your team you need to protect your them because at the end of the day they are your family if you're not protecting them they would lose confidence in you they would think that you will abandon them any time and then they would start looking for other opportunities and once that happens and once the uh, employee loses faith in the manager or the team member or the founder then the whole company is never going to survive so if you want to go to get, go far then you need to take hold of your team members with you so this was like the biggest lesson that i learned so even though we had to uh, suffer a, a quite a loss because of the wrong version sent for the printing but i never uh, uh, gave up on my employees and i'm really glad that they are still here with me and they are still the finest people because we are all humans it's okay if we make mistakes so they need to be like they need to be assured that there is enough room for failure and it's okay if we fail because they didn't do it intentionally it was an unintentional thing so let it be so that was the thing like being kind know when to be kind and know when to be uh, strict so that, that that's the main that's the main key thing that actually like helps you turn around things so yeah you know i love this conversation <laughs> it's, it's like a masterclass on social entrepreneurship really i know i mean you 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 spoke about so many things such as you know starting small you started with facebook group with three people uh yeah. you you pivoted so many times uh, you, you spoke about join an incubation program on if you are ready just not because it it's an incubation program 
spoke about how to manage your team, how to set up a vision, objectives, how to work with your team. Really, for me, this is like, a, <laughs> I will just force everyone to listen to this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I learned it the hard way. <laughs> yeah, you learned it the, the people way. who would be tuning in, tuning in to listen, they would be learning it the easy way. <laughs> Because they have everything sorted out now. <laughs> No, but it's what you mentioned, right? You said you was a pioneer going to college, uni. Uh, I mean, I guess it's also, in general, in, I mean, I remember a conversation we had. You told me you were, I mean, uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem is Pakistan, in Pakistan is, is, is quite new. And you, you told me you were part of the first, you know, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs of Pakistan. So you, you have to figure everything out for the next generation. It's really hard. But it's fun. It was like quite an adventure, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I wanted to ask you, I just watched your TED Talk uh, called The Story of Storytellers. So everyone uh, have a look. Uh, and in the end, you ask a question to everyone but and, and to yourself. Um, imagine that you are lying on your deathbed and you are looking back at your life. What is one thing, that one thing that you are really proud of? Um, do you remember what you said <laughs> and, and could you yeah. <laughs> elaborate yeah so for me it was like uh, uh, like when I look back in my life I wanted to be very um, you can say proud that, that I did Dastan that has empowered thousands of people to actually like found a hope that there is someone out there whom they can turn into when they have an idea and uh, they can publish their work and they can actually make a living out of it. Because, you know, when you really want to do something, like I see this every day here in Pakistan, there are so many people, the talented people, they want to do something in their lives. They want to earn a living by through right channels. But unfortunately, those channels are not here. The opportunities are not here. And the industry is like not that much mature that they could like absorb that workforce and it's really hard to see really talented people working and doing menial jobs just to pay their home bills and it's really hard so i had this thing that when i'm like looking back at my life i need to be sure that the thing that i founded has actually changed lives of such people in my country and also the across borders Because it's when you look at the writers or the storytellers, they're everywhere. And almost everywhere they have the same problem. That they cannot find a platform where they can showcase their work, where their work can be heard, where if they publish, someone actually knows them. Someone actually reads their work, reviews their work. So these are the kind of things that are really missing in our industry. And one of the unfortunate things that I often see, like, There are news in the media where you see that uh, a taxi driver uh, is running uh, and a really educated person is running a taxi just to get his books published. And then there's some guy who is a cobbler who is like doing cobbling just to have enough money so he can publish his books. And it's really heartbreaking because, you know, there are so many funds available out there. Even the government has a literature ministry. I wonder what these guys do. They have so much funds. It's their job to actually do what I am doing right now. And it 
yeah obviously because you know this is what they actually get paid for this is our taxpayers money we pay the taxes for to get these facilities if they are not doing it then they are not doing their job so i used to think uh, like i still remember in my childhood i used to have this monologue with myself that what should i do in my life like you know the kind of moment that you have to yourself and that kind of thing so i was like i used to look at the news and the media and all that and i was like these guys they know these are doing these corruptions and all those cases against them why don't why aren't they doing anything and i, I remember the, the, this is one uh, one uh, one of my principal in my school uh, her name was miss munira kurashi she was like one of my ideal and she told me that um, like you know in in the school there is this uh, assembly and at the end of the assembly usually the principal or some head or any teacher comes in and says some good words or gives some moral lessons kind of thingy so uh, i remember when i was like uh, in the school so she uh, once told me that uh, uh, that you are all my shaheens like uh, the leaders or the, the people who would actually change the world and she told us that uh, there is no salauddin ayubi or any other muslim hero who is gum- who is going to come and save you uh, or help you uh, regain your lost glory or help you uh, fix your problems it's you you are the ones who are going to do that so uh, that was like really emotional thing for me because you know i had been like reading so many books and i had this kind of very close heart to heart affinity with these muslim conquerors and all those heroes and leaders so i was like uh, uh, so when my someone whom i idolized and she looks into your eyes and then she says that you are my hero and it is your job to fix it so i had this thing in me that maybe if i ever had a chance so i would do something about it so uh, i think that that was the main thing that uh, that actually inspired me and i had been like uh, whenever i am like feeling really low so i go back into memory lane and I, and i live i relive that moment where she is standing uh, right in front of me in the assembly and she is saying that uh, you know uh, you are my uh, hero and then you need to do this i'm entrusting you like i have done my part i have educated you i have given i have gave you whatever i could now it's your job to carry this uh, message and this inspiration to not only in pakistan and outside as well that uh, you need to do something about it so um, these were like the kind of things that uh, i want to be uh, seeing when i am on my deathbed so yeah <laughs> thank you so much for sharing uh, i really want to tell you that i re- i mean i think i i can really feel that you did a lot of self reflection work on yourself i mean it's so clear how you can i don't know how you you know identify all these people who helped you along the way when you you mention the national poet this principal this teacher who who yelled at you uh this friend who couldn't get published uh like i don't know you 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 zahin like all these people it's I mean it's great that you don't forget them. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't do anything. Like you know in long whenever wherever we are at the end of the day it's never about us. It's about the people who built us. Because I come from a teaching family or teaching family background and I have this very close affiliation towards the teachers and the educators and the reformers. Because 
what they are doing right now towards the society people usually consider it or take it as granted they really do not acknowledge it they think that if we are paying fee to a certain institute and that's their entitlement then then they don't owe anything to them but for me who is coming from a literary family background i can truly relate to it like if no one ever taught me how to read or how to write probably i couldn't even speak to you right now mm. i would have i would have been just another boy who is just roaming out in streets and doing nothing and wasting his life that's what most of the people are doing so i'm really grateful to all those people who made a difference in my life and who helped me become who i am today and i could never forget them so that's another <laughs> master class on self reflection no <laughs> <laughs> it's great that you you uh you speak about them obviously um so yeah no i wanted to uh come back a bit on on pakistan uh on so yeah you so i i i remember when we had this cultural night in bangkok during uh, yeah you had with the, the another pakistani guy you had to do a uh, like a, you had a table to introduce pakistan um so yeah i wanted to ask you and and also in china you gave me a, a scarf <laughs> you had a lot of gifts as well so i wanted to ask you how do you prepare yourself <laughs> before each international trip to represent pakistan yeah so um, like uh, in pakistan we have this um, i don't know how it happens in other countries but we have this thing as cultural thing that wherever whenever we go to visit anyone uh, we always take gifts with us it it's uh, it's like kind of in our religion as well that we need to give gifts to each other it helps you bond well with people so um, it's it's kind of a cultural thing for at least me or my family we we always do that so um, whenever i go uh, or i'm about to go i always make sure that uh, I have like a, at least a dozen gifts with me <laughs> because <laughs> you never know like uh, if you ever come to Pakistan or like if any Pakistani visits you. So, for example, it happens like uh, when our relatives who are living in US, UK, or Canada when they come to visit Pakistan, it is like a cultural norm that they need to bring gifts for every single person <laughs> who. are based in pakistan like a major family member so they have to do that otherwise people mind it that you came from abroad and you didn't brought us any gifts <laughs> so it's kind of a cultural thing for us so uh, it's i think that that's how it got inculcated in me as well like so whenever i'm about to go to any particular like an event or uh, especially for an international trip so i make sure that i have one bag that is full of gifts and uh, the kind of gifts that i usually choose is a uh, uh, So I leave that usually on my mom. So I tell him that I'm going and I need something like uh, fancy, and uh, you also need to get me something for girls, and you also need to some get me something for boys, and then something a gender neutral kind of thingy. So um, the most go to thing for me is uh, the kind of shawl. Uh, so which I gave you one, and you might have seen me that uh, during the whole international events, I always have that shawl on mm. because I love to represent my culture in international countries. That that's like one way of uh, I oh that's the one way I'm able to do that. So um so that that's the one thing. And what I usually opt for is uh, like in Pakistan, you know, there uh, it's really diverse culture. So if you move from one province to another province, uh, there are a lot of dialects in terms of languages. 
and as you move to a different region each region has their own dress code or a cultural dress and a cultural language and the way and the kind of food that they eat so it's really different so i so the kind of gifts that i brought you guys were the most famous ones uh, from our country it's usually the hand uh, all of the things that i bought were like hand uh, handmade things mm. uh, the shawls and the bags uh, and uh, all the other kind of small gifts that i bought around along with me so uh, so i make sure that uh, whatever thing that i can get on because i try to focus on this thing that i need to have more number of items in less number of space so the ideal way to go about it is small gifts portable gifts kind of gifts that go everywhere that that can be good uh, so that that can be done easily so uh, one reason like uh, i gave you that shawl because uh, i always see you that you have this shawl around you and you have a certain t-shirt that you wear all the time and i really love that color the That that's kind of an energy. Like you can actually spot Den Long from an entire crowd if you are standing outside. So even though I remember, I think so when we met in that uh, Shenzhen event, uh, it was uh, what was it? Unleashed conference. So out of that entire thousand lot, I had this one friend with me. Uh, she was like, "How the hell did you find that guy?" I was like, "I know how to find him. It's that shirt." You just bought that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, and she was really impressed with me. So I remember that we had the spot on the top, and uh, like we were really fortunate that we got the really topmost slot. So uh, when all the event was happening downstairs, uh, so I was telling her that uh, you know that girl, uh, we will meet her <laughs> after when the break comes. And she was like, "Are you insane? How would you know that?" <laughs> after this whole thing ends then you would be able to find that guy or girl so then i actually took her to uh, when we had that session where i met you so i also met other people as she was like so intense she was like how do you find people <laughs> how could you do that out of such crowd so i was like no i have a very strong sight <laughs> i can spot people <laughs> yeah nice so yeah so you have <laughs> pressure to to buy a lot of gift when you go to a country and then pressure to buy a lot of gift for your family when you come back. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah no no i am glad to know that the scarf was even tailored for me i mean was after you analyzed my style i'm <laughs> uh, glad to hear that Yeah, um, and I still have the one that you gave me, and I, I and I often wear it here in Pakistan as well. Nice. <laughs> and when people ask me that, uh, where did you get it from? Then I tell them, I went to this place where I had this friend <laughs> called Enlong, <laughs> and this is what he gave to me. <laughs> nice. And so I just realized um, it's very late for you, so I'll, I'll just uh, ask you my last two questions, uh, and then. <laughs> you told me just with, before we start that usually it's your time to play strategy games. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you so much for sacrificing this time uh, and, and speak with me. Um, so yeah, no, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you um, how. It's a question I ask uh, every time when I end the conversation: is how would you describe yourself in three hashtags? 
many hashtags. Okay, one is probably the storyteller. Um, the second would probably a uh, community builder, and uh, the third one would be um, um, yum, yum, yum. visionary. I would say, yeah. Okay, storyteller, community builder, visionary, and uh, yeah, why why should people go to Pakistan? <laughs> yeah, people should come to Pakistan one because it has a lot of diverse cultures, and if you really are a traveler and you feel like uh, you need to have some a real or a fresh insight to a very hospitable country, then possibly Pakistan is really go to place. Second, uh, we have not only mountains for you we have deserts we have rivers and then we also have a really uh, hustling street life where you can taste a lot of good food and uh, meet a lot of amazing people and uh, lastly i would say that you need to visit pakistan because now um, we it's more like a you may say uh, a hub of storytellers uh If you come here, uh, there is this very interesting thing called Kavali. You would really love it if you come and uh, see it. There is Kathak dance that's really famous here. Uh, similarly, if you go in the northern side, you will find a lot of interesting uh, performance art thing. So, uh, if you really love to explore a different kind of tourism where you uh, actually can connect with a lot of people. Then I think probably Pakistan is the go-to place for you, and they, people can all reach out to you <laughs> to have yeah. a free free guide. I, I can <laughs> recommend you a lot of good stuff because I am like in this community, and I know a lot of good people who travel. Like especially, uh, I know this one guy, uh, Saad Manavar. He is like a world record holder on trekking. So he trekked oh. three mountain ranges in less than thirty days on foot. So he had the world record for it. So. He is really well acquainted with all the mountaineering and adventuring and travel community. So uh, he, I can connect you with him. He can set up really interesting personalized guided trips for you. You will really love it. So I, I personally went to one trip with him in uh, Skardu. It was almost a one week long trip. We went as far to the last village uh, of. Pakistan, uh, that is right next to K2. That's the Killer Mountain. So when you trek down from K2, the first village that you visit is Hoshe. I went that far off in terms of tourism with him, and that was really a great adventure. So uh, I would highly recommend that everyone should come and uh, especially go to these uh, mountaineering areas of Pakistan. It's really interesting way to live an adventurous life. Because Pakistan is like the home of the tallest mountains. Most of the mountains in the world, they are like I think less than eight thousand feet. So here we have the world's tallest mountains, and if you are really, really an adventurer, it's really the go-to place to be. And if you want kind of like a soft adventure, or you just want to have sightseeing, there are a lot of interesting things, even in plains and even in like valleys where you can have good time. And if you are like kind of a young person who is really into exploring the kind of street life, uh, we don't have that kind of street life that you have in Bangkok, but it's a very different street life. <laughs> like we don't have the bars and clubs and all that thing here in Pakistan, probably because it's like an Islamic country. 
but like overall you can see a very uh, hustle like culture here a uh, lot of performance art as i said a uh, lot of people i know they run theaters and they have this really cool art performances so i can definitely hook you up with them so a highly recommended place for you and again and one last thing we also have our seashore so if you really really want to go <laughs> in the seaside we also have that for you <laughs> so there is no reason you shouldn't come to pakistan you should come to pakistan <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the everything so you can do pretty much everything in Pakistan except go to bars but this is okay you can do everything mountains seashore street life art so yeah uh so yeah so people will understand that i was not lying when i was telling that she was the best <laughs> of Pakistan um <laughs> So yeah no uh, where just to end where can people find you if they want to contact you Uh I'm easily reachable on LinkedIn and also on Facebook or you can simply drop me an email at my email ID uh it's o w m e r a @dastan t w a s t a n .com All right I'm easily accessible on almost all the social media platforms <laughs> All right so yeah Omar is everywhere uh, watch his TED talk um and yeah we'll put most of what we talked about in the notes of the episode and yeah no I just wanted to thank you so much Omer uh, I really really love this episode I, I mean really it was uh, I think yeah like so intense conversation I <laughs> to learn more about your childhood and all your struggles yeah. actually I didn't know you know so, uh, so yeah <laughs> so this is like a hidden part of my life you really don't see that on the mainstream media Yeah. <laughs> on mainstream media we just have the highlights oh we won this and then we did that and then that, oh that that's a great killer story <laughs> but they never know this part of the <laughs> so this was more like a hard to hard discussion the full story <laughs> yeah the full story the whole version <laughs> you need to listen to the whole podcast to know what actually happens behind the scenes <laughs> cool thank you so much omer and hope to see you in pakistan sure sure looking forward to host you Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Omer. Feel free to reach out to him for anything related to Pakistan and also to tell him that his episode was amazing. Of course, please do share this episode with your friends who are curious about Pakistan, who are curious about the journey of a social entrepreneur so we can share the wisdom of Omer to as many people as possible. And do subscribe to Lifeline podcast on any platform that you are using it's really what helps me the most to grow the audience of Lifeline and to make sure that the voices of all the change makers that I'm interviewing can be amplified and be heard to as many people as possible